Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. I got my dudes Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell with me, also from Dogs 24-7. And before we talk about anything else, man, this podcast has gone already above and beyond what we thought would happen in six months to a year. We've been really excited with, with everybody listening. We want to thank everybody for for, for just taking their time out, for listening to us, listening to us talk Georgia football, listening to us talk Georgia football recruiting, um, and El- El- Bojangles, everything else. I mean, we, we, we love doing this. We, we, we enjoyed it. We've had a lot more fun doing it than I think we would have realized. And uh, just want to really thank everybody else. And, and Rusty, I, I know you want that opportunity too. I mean, I called my mom last night and hugged her over the phone. I said, Mom, I know you're listening all day. You've got to be because we can't get this many amount of plays nationwide. I mean, it's oh, just, I thought you were going to say, Ma, we made it. This is stupid. I mean, um, and, and, you know, kind of behind the scenes, you know, we're kind of the, we're kind of the, 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 the podcast right now that, that our 24-7 guys are talking about in the office saying what we're doing well and all that. And, look, we're not planning this. We're just we're, – we're three guys talking about a team that we've covered all for a long time. And like you said, man, we'll talk Bojangles. We'll talk a, a chicken biscuit. Kip talked 25 minutes on a pimento cheese biscuit the other day. I thought it was fantastic. So – Thanks for everybody, man. I had no idea. We had no idea this was going to take off like this. And, uh, you know, if we're, if we're seeing it right, we're the number one college football podcast on Apple iTunes this week. So, everybody's listening, man. Thank you so much from all of us. And, hell, we're going to have fun with it. Yeah, I, I got to say thanks to everyone for all the reviews you guys have left on iTunes and, uh, and subscribing on there, Spotify, wherever you can. I got to really point out my favorite review that we've had so far is from uh, ABAC0008. It says, Rusty is the man. <laughs> Kip and Jake are okay also. So I just want to thank you, ABAC, for the review there. We greatly thanks. appreciate it. I'll thanks, take okay. Mom. Thanks, Mom. I'll take okay any day. I really will. Let's jump into some of, some of the stuff we want to talk about today. And obviously the, the topic du jour, the topic of the week, um, uh, with already having talked about the Brent Cox situation is the fact that, that George is going to scrimmage for the first time on Saturday. And it's, it's a big scrimmage. And that first one to me, the second one is where you get the most work done. I think the first one is the most important because the first one is, you know, where Zamir White's probably going to get some live tackling for the first time. Uh, it's going to be where Jake Fromm gets to throw in a, in a live situation. Stetson Bennett gets to do the same. You're going to start seeing how that right guard situation is going to play out. And we're not going to get to see a lot of it. So, you know, when I talk about what we're looking for out of that first scrimmage, quote unquote, uh, you know, it's not that. It's what we're really listening for. And uh, there, there are a lot of different things I'm listening for. And I think it goes without saying, it would if I didn't just say it, uh, that, that you know, injuries, you know, you want to get out of that thing healthy. I think if, if you gave Kirby Smart that, he'd probably take it and nothing else. Uh, Jake, but, but, uh, Jake, I'll interrupt right there. I did an interview yesterday. And, the, and when they ask about what news is coming out of fall camp right now, I think you would agree when there's no news, that's what you want to hear as a George. Amazing news. Typically about the injury type deal. No news is not good news. It is amazing news as far as that goes. When you're just, you know, no no guys, you know, really going awry um, and, and doing their own thing. No, but Not a bunch of negative buzz. Not really any negative buzz. Uh, and no injuries is always huge. And so I think that's the number one thing you're looking for out of this, out of this uh, first scrimmage. The, the, 
the the second thing and and you know obviously defaults to number one when you consider that the injuries is just kind of a no-brainer um i'm I'm looking at these position battles i want to hear a little bit more about them you know i i I reported earlier this week i believe it was on monday and dog treats that i think mark webb based on what i'm hearing has a has a clear lead for that star slash nickel spot well the scrimmage is a chance to see who's the gamer. You know, it may, it may not be a situation where Mark, maybe Mark Webb's having great practices, but Devon Wilson's a gamer. Yep. And so when, when he gets a chance, when the bullets start flying out there and it gets a little wild, maybe Devon Wilson's the better player. And the coaching staff will have to weigh that. And, and so they'll see that. Right guard is another one. Safety, although, you know, I've seen Otis Reese working behind J.R. Reed more than I have Richard LeCount. I'm sure he's working behind Richard LeCount in practice. You know, it seems like Richard has really turned the corner there, hearing a lot of really good things about him from Kirby Smart, behind the scenes, everything. So that that's, you know, all of those position battles are, are things I'm looking for and, and, and looking to hear a little bit, little bit about. Also really, really kind of honing in on which freshmen are, are ready. You know, it's, it's at this point right now, and, and I've got a story coming up later today where I mentioned this in it, where – it's at this point that, that those freshmen are getting a little worn out. They've practiced harder than they've ever had to practice. They've practiced more days in a row than they've ever had to practice. Uh, today, they'll hold their seventh practice of, uh, of the preseason. That makes seven and eight days. A lot of these guys haven't practiced like that. They, they, they haven't been through that kind of grind. And, and so can they push through that, have a strong scrimmage? Uh, you know, you, you get the feeling that the guys that have been on campus since January may be able to do that. But, but can those other guys kind of push through that, the George Pickens, the the Dominic Blaylocks, Kenny McIntosh, uh, you know, those guys, that that is going to be huge for me. And 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 I think that that's, that's probably one of the things you want to hear. The freshman wall. Can they push past that freshman wall? And, and, and Kirby in the past, you know, I've always – I found it interesting. The first coach, definitely not the first coach I've heard talk about the freshman wall. I mean, you go back – you know, Mark Rick, Jim Donnan. I remember reading stuff about Jim Donnan in the paper where he would talk about it uh, back when I was in, in high school even. And, and you know, you've heard other coaches. I know Jim Harbaugh brought it up last offseason. The wall is real. All freshmen hit it. Uh, but but uh, Kirby's the first guy I've ever heard talk about the, what gets him through it is just maturity, is, is the ability to say, hey, I, I'm not at my best right now, but got to get better tomorrow, got to get better the next day, got to get better the next play. And, and so that, in and of itself, that's what leads me to kind of believe that, that guys like Dominic Blaylock, a guy that I've heard so much about over the past couple months about his maturity level, is the kind of guy who can, who can push through that and, and, and be that way. And then lastly, one of the real big things I'm looking for out of this scrimmage that, that may not necessarily be, uh, you know, at the forefront right now with everything that's gone on is, is I'm looking, I think the defense should win the day. Now, does that mean I, I think Georgia's in trouble if the defense doesn't win today? Not at all. But there are two things at play here. One is the fact that Georgia's looking to create all these havoc plays. They want to create these big plays. If you can, if you can create PBUs and and uh, and interceptions and sacks and tackles for a loss against this offensive line and against this offense that does such a good job taking care of the football, the forced fumbles and everything like that, then you can do it against anybody. And and if and if that's what I'm hearing out of this out of this uh, uh, first scrimmage, I, I think that's a really good thing. Also, another thing that I'm that I'm pretty high on is the fact that defense is supposed to be head of the offense right now. Uh, you've got a lot of young receivers. You've got Jake Fromm trying to build a rapport with, with a bunch of different receivers. The defense is supposed to win the day. So it, if if the defense doesn't 
I may be a tad bit concerned. Maybe in the back of my mind, I may be a tad bit concerned. I love the talent George has on defense. I love the fact that they're going to play maybe 30 guys, 25 guys at the very least, when you count all of those defensive linemen. Five inside linebackers have a chance to play. Six outside linebackers have a chance to play. You look right there, you add those guys up with just the upperclassmen, you know, defensive linemen, plus Jordan Davis, right there, just in that group right there, you've got 20 guys plus the secondary. So they're going to play a ton of guys, and I love that about this defense. But but I really think, and when I really break this down, that that I want to hear some good things about this defense after the first scrimmage because I don't have a ton of questions from the offense. And even if I do, I think this offense is going to continue to improve as the passing game starts to settle in. Jake, let me ask you. Let me ask you something. Uh, and you see this day to day. You've been a couple of days now, and, I, and it's not not the visit high, but it's kind of set in now. Where do you think this outside linebacker? How do you think Georgia lines up there? Let me throw this scenario at you. You got Aziz, Adam, you know all these guys. What happens if one or two of those have an ankle sprain? Because it happened last year to Georgia. They got down to having to put Walter Grant at defensive end that late in the fourth quarter against Alabama. And obviously that wasn't the ideal situation when DeAndre Walker went out. Let me give you this scenario. Adam Anderson has a turned ankle against Notre Dame. Where do you see Georgia by, say, game three? How is the roles playing out for that position with not with Britton Cox now gone? Well, I think Aziz Ojolari is your is, is your for lack of a better word, he's your workhorse running back of that group. He's the guy that's going to play your first and second down snaps along with Jermaine Johnson. But I think Aziz, having been on campus a year and knowing the defense as well as he knows it, uh, based on the fact that they sent him up for interviews last night, and, and listen, if if you don't pay very close attention to what Georgia does, if you don't pay very close attention to anything, pay close attention to who they send up to talk to us for interviews because those are the guys that, that are on the leadership team they're, those are the guys that they're depending on, and, and it's almost like clockwork. When they send a guy up to talk to us and it's kind of new, that guy ends up playing a big role. And and I think Aziz Ojolari is, is in for that role. I think Jermaine Johnson's obviously right there. I mean, I man, I couldn't be more impressed with that kid just, just in practice every day, the motor, the work ethic, the, and the physical makeup's a no-brainer. One of the best-looking guys on the hoof that I've ever seen in a Georgia uniform. I mean, he is he's really impressive. So I think I think those two are playing the every down role. But if you talk about a guy like Adam Anderson, you know Nolan Smith's a guy that that I think kind of really moves into a more prominent role there. Although I'm starting to get the impression, based on Dan Lanning's comments the other day of calling him a hammerhead, that that maybe he is uh, maybe he's a little bit more equipped to play on every down too. I mean he's an early down guy. But I I think that they've got guys who can play multiple roles. They've got guys who can who can, you know, kind of maybe even get out of their comfort zone a little bit because they're so athletic. And and listen, I'll say this about the outside linebacker group, and, and it, it may not be pleasing for everybody to hear. Uh, there's no production coming back here. I mean, almost none. I think Walter Grant, who is a space player, is, is your leading tackler for a loss and sack guy uh, career-wise in terms of production in games. It's all potential. Now, I believe wholeheartedly in that potential. But but ultimately, it comes down to, to these guys having to prove it in real game action. And and, you know, you, when you start talking about, well, Georgia wants to increase their havoc rate to 20 percent. They want tackles for loss. They want uh, they want uh, sacks and pass breakups, force fumbles and things like that. They're going to be relying on a very, very, very talented group. 
but a te- but a group that has also got some question marks because it's not like they've done it 10, 12 Saturdays in the fall before, and and that's that's going to be really important for this group. Can you imagine how big and taking Jermaine Johnson as a junior college player last year, and obviously he's ultra talented, but Georgia recruiting a junior college player, how big that was now that Brent Cox is not there, and they got a they got a guy that's more physically ready, even though Nolan Smith. Is, is is ready i think mentally as a freshman a 66 250 pound guy is invaluable right now um to give that depth and how massive much, i mean you know what i mean just just that body that body frame to hold on to what's coming notre dame what's coming texas a&m those types of things so i was just interested in your take on that you know that's a that was a big uh discussion all week for us on the boards everywhere but it tells you where georgia is man they lost a five-star pretty damn good football player and right now there's not panic they don't they've got depth they got dudes over there and that tells you where they are especially in that outside linebacker room L- let me ask you what what's one thing you're looking for at uh, coming out of this scrimmage you'll 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 have some you, you'll be talking to sources you'll have some buzz you'll hear some of it what what are you looking for really man i i and, and i don't cover the team so i, I you know I, I i observe and listen to you and read your stuff and talk to people I am so interested in this this wide receiver group because I'm telling you, you know, Georgia's got answered. They check every box to me at every position. I mean, it goes down to special teams, guys. Y'all know I love a kicker. We go all the way down to special teams. I even think Jake Cromata's going to have a better year. This wide receiver group is going to tell the tale for Georgia. And um, I, I'm just very interested in how it plays out, not just Saturday, but how it plays out this season, but – you know, I want to see if Dominique Blaylock is doing what we think and what we hear he's doing. You know, is he going to step in there and really push Demetrius Robinson to make him better? Uh, but I'm really interested in, in the, uh, the the wide receiver group. I'm interested, and all three of you agree with me on this because we think he's undervalued right now. Man, I, I can't wait to see how James Coley uses James Cook. What about Q Kip? What what I, I know you kind of. Uh... You kind of cover the team kind of like Rusty from afar, but but is there anything that that you've picked up through preseason camp or anything like that that, that has you kind of intrigued going into this first scrimmage? We we talk about this outside linebacker group and and kind of you know it's a little green as far as production. I want to see basically the opposite from the secondary. You know they got a lot of guys coming back as far as experience between Richard LeCount. And Jr. Reed at, at safety. I mean that that safety tandem is going to be should be on paper one of the better ones in the country. Just as far as again that experience, that tackling production, those guys should be running the defense. They should you know never be out of position at this point. And then I mean I want to see what Tyson Campbell looks like in year two. You know he got thrown in last year, just thrown into the fire. And, you know, toward the end of the year, we saw Eric Stokes really come on strong. Now everyone's kind of mentioned him as that that breakout player. You know, this is a secondary that lost its first ever Jim Thorpe Award winner. And, you know, there's a chance when you look at the overall quality of play at the end of the season, we could be talking about this position group, not just the strength of the defense, but being better than the last season. So I want to see how they look and I want to see. You know, where Tyreek Stevenson fits into this, you know, uh, you know, Dan Lanning, the coaching staff, 
they're really high on him and just his ability as a playmaker. He's a guy that can play multiple positions in that secondary. It was a huge recruiting win for Georgia. You know, I want to see just kind of where where he fits in coming off the bench. You know, where where is he playing nickel? Is, is he practicing an outside corner? Where is he contributing? And, 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 you know, where does he fit in in year one? Because, again, last year we saw some freshmen in the secondary, you know, play a lot of snaps. Can Tyreek kind of be that guy that that's steals some snaps from from some uh, some older guys on the team? And does he give the coaching staff basically uh, an ultimatum that you know I need to get on the field because th- that he's that kind of playmaker? That maybe they have to make that choice. Like guys, we got to get get this guy in the field. He's just a different kind of player. That's what I want to see. If if he can be that guy in his first year, and if that position group it can be basically the the star of this defense and, and potentially the team. You know, I found it kind of interesting that Dan Lanning, I mean, gushed about Tyreek Stevenson uh, when when, talk, when he talked to the media on Monday, um, talked about how big time of a playmaker he was. Eric Stokes did the same thing yesterday, talked about how he was kind of like a receiver, the way he tracks the ball and makes plays on the ball, and sometimes he just kind of wows them with some of the plays he makes. I mean, he's definitely a guy we're going to be writing about here pretty soon, and and it'll be interesting to see how they get him involved. But Tyson Campbell's the one who intrigues me because low-key, very, very little buzz around this. He is one of the most – he is one of the most important players for Georgia this season because he had 10 – he's got 10 starts under his belt, right? He He's got a lot of experience. And and not only that, he's 6'2", and, and he's, a, he's a sprinter. I mean, he's a guy that can absolutely fly. The tools are off the charts for that kid, but but he's got to regain that confidence. He really bounced back well in the Sugar Bowl, which is why I think folks have kind of given him the benefit of the doubt and 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 maybe maybe assuming that he's going to get over the hump that he that he ran into last year. Uh, but but you know, once again, got to do it on the field. And I'm really interested to see kind of how he performs not only in the first couple scrimmages, but but later on down the line and and during the season because he's a key player for Georgia and and he's seen enough football, he's experienced enough uh, to 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 think that yeah, if if he wins that starting cornerback spot and he's there, that's the guy you want to win it because of how much you know football he's played. And you would rather ease DJ Daniel and Tyreek Stevenson and those guys into it a little bit more and and let let a guy that let a guy that's pretty much a veteran at this point with as much you know as much as he's seen and as much as he's prepared for, um, let him kind of shoulder the the heavy load, especially early on in, in the season. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Rusty, you were on the road this week, and uh, you've you've seen a lot, as you always do, Road Warrior all over the place. Can't go Road Dog. That goes to Adam Gillespie over at 680, so we'll call you Road Warrior, and I'm sure you'll take it. But, but what did you see, and, and you know, talk to us about some of the stuff that, uh, that, that kind of caught your eye this week. Well, I went to Marietta first um, on Wednesday and watched them practice there probably hour, hour and a half with Coach Morgan and his staff, and Tell you what, man, that team right there, they opened with Rome. 
uh, on TV, Corky Kell. It's going to be a very interesting matchup because outside the tackles, uh, they do have some big offensive linemen for the first time in front of Harrison Bailey, but my goodness, they're outside uh, wide receivers. they got Ricky White coming over from Wheeler, who's committed to Michigan State now. He is eligible. But let's get down to it, honestly. Uh, Eric Gilbert and B.J. Ojolari, two uncommitted guys. B.J. Ojolari will make his college decision next Friday. It was interesting. I called Kip as soon as I got in the car because, you know, we've been trying to figure out, you know, is this, this Brenton Cox news going to change numbers or it's not going to change numbers, but is it going to make Georgia make a different decision on a spot in this 2020 class? And I asked BJ, uh, you know, of course I wrote it, but I asked BJ, I said, Hey man, have you heard from Georgia? You know, he goes, obviously I did. I hear from, I heard from Georgia this, this afternoon, uh, coach Lanning and coach McGee called. So that kind of, you know, me and Kip both were like, wait a minute, you know, what, what's going to happen here? Is it too late? So I talked to BJ and, and my vibe on Wednesday. Um, Georgia has a chance there, but I do think it might be a little late. We'll see what happens because he told me his brother called him when he heard it. Brenton was gone. It was going to change. Uh, they needed more pass rushers. So when your brother's involved with this, and you start talking as a family, like, and let's just say that my gut feeling right now is LSU, probably a little over Auburn. When you start as a family and you do this, and you got one that's in Baton Rouge and you got one in Georgia, and Aziz has got a little up more time left, you start thinking about things like it might be nice for our kids to play together and that type of thing. So I don't know if Georgia's too late. We're going to find out. He seemed to me like he was going to listen to Georgia. I'm going to check back in with him probably this afternoon and see what he says. And we'll talk some sources kind of around this and see if we think Georgia's completely out. My gut feeling right now would be LSU probably slightly over Auburn and Tennessee. And I will say this, that he is being very, very quiet about things, that him and his family are going to sit down and talk this weekend. Now, when you go to Eric Gilbert, that was the first time that I really got the vibe because I, I asked him straight up, is it, you know, do you want to play wide receiver? Are you comfortable signing as a tight end? Uh, and putting your hand down in the ground some and those types of things. And you couldn't see because I was audio recording it, but he paused and just kind of looked off and and really, I think he took a deep breath before he answered. And then he said, man, I, you know, I think I'm a wide receiver. I think I can run routes. And I've seen him do it. I mean, this guy's 6'5", 250, and, 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 and he's going to be a problem. That's easy to tell. Everybody knows how ultra-talented he is. But – you know, Kip, maybe you can touch on this later, but when you start talking about recruiting him as a wide receiver only, Georgia has to have guys that put their hand in the ground at times to play tight end, as well as Alabama, who's another school that's, that's, that I feel like is trending a little bit here. Uh, we're going to see what Jim Chaney does with his tight ends at Tennessee. I think that's something Eric's going to pay attention to. Obviously, a big connection with Ramil Keaton up there uh, and Harrison Bailey, his high school quarterback and very, very good friend committed to Tennessee. So all that plays in the fact that I think some of those things are going to be answered down the line. But what I'm interested in, is it too late for Georgia to get involved with B.J. O'Delory? And can, if Georgia takes Eric Gilbert, does that mean they only can take, quote, unquote, one other guy as a tight end? So all those things come into play. And that, like I said, will be answered later down the line. But I can tell you from seeing him on, on Wednesday, his mindset on playing tight end, in my opinion. You got a chance to watch Tate Ratledge last night, and man, I don't know if you guys saw some of the some of the stuff, but he plays single A high school football. 
Obviously, we saw him against elite, elite talent this spring and this summer at the opening of the Nike events. He held his own, and that's where he earned his stakes uh, to become an All-American, to play in the All-American Bowl in Texas. Last night, I mean, you're looking at Tate, probably 6'6", 320. 315, maybe 325 right now. And you look over there and there's a young man that's playing high school football. He's probably 5'10", 185 at defensive end. And Tate hammered him three or four times. But I'll tell you that Tate, a couple of times, just just pass blocked him. And when he could have punished him, he could have punished him. But he didn't do that to him. Uh, it was funny because there was a goal line situation right in front of me. And the audible from the other team was Tate is going to Georgia. And the linebackers calling it to the strength. And, I'm, and, and I looked at I was with Eric Richards, and we we're both like, what did he say? And he said it again. Tate's going to Georgia. He's pushing, pushing the guy toward the right, you know, the other linebackers. So it was funny. It was an audible call uh, from the other team. But watching him last night, I mean, man, he is, he is so powerful. Uh, he's getting better and better and better. And that's good news for Georgia because, listen, if they lose Isaiah Wilson and Andrew Thomas as expected, there's going to be a lot of playing time open in offensive tackle. And it's very similar. Andrew Thomas didn't get to Georgia until June uh, of his senior year. Tate will not be able to graduate early at Darlington. He will get to Georgia as well in late May. Can he make that transition to get into tackle if those both those spots are open? Can he win a job over the summer similar to Andrew Thomas? I don't know that. But he's following a very similar route. He plays both ways in high school. You know, he took some breathers last night. So, uh, you know, Tate, Tate will not face elite competition again uh, until he gets out into the uh, All-American Bowl in Texas. So we got a chance to check him out early last night. I don't know if you guys saw on, on, on the Ramblings this morning, uh, a kid named Ian Jaffard out of Whitfield uh, Academy there in, in Mapleton. Kid six four and a half, three hundred and thirty five pounds. Put together, played hard. Already has a Georgia Tech offer as an eighth grader, rising ninth grader. Just start hadn't started ninth grade yet because they hadn't started classes yet. But uh, man, I tell you, these kids are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I'll be on the road tonight uh, against Cedartown. I'm going to watch C.J. Washington, who's uh, rated the number sixty five player already overall in our twenty twenty two rankings that came out yesterday. Uh, Barton loves his measurables, 340-pound bench, 315-pound power clean, 500-pound squatter, and a 6'2", 205-pound frame. He runs track. Oh, yeah, by the way, works out with Nick Chubb every morning. So also get a good close-up, one more look at Kobe Pryor uh, now that he's not sharing carries. So uh, no, he's not going to Georgia, but also interested in him for the state of Georgia 24-7. So on the road a little bit this week, high school football kicked off, man, last night. It was great to hear bands and, and cheerleaders and, and uh, just kind of – I looked at that last night and thought, man, I'm starting here and I'm going to end at Georgia State this year where the Georgia high school state champions are uh, no longer in the Mercedes-Benz. It's going to be at Georgia State. It's going to be outside, and we will talk about that as it gets closer, but that is very interesting to me. Kip, I, I want to rewind a little bit and get your thoughts on Eric Gilbert as a wide receiver. What do you, you know, you've you've seen the kid and you've watched him. You've you've seen film on him. Uh, you saw him out at the opening. Um, is that something he can do? Because you don't see very many two hundred fifty pound wide receivers. You don't. And I mean, I'll say I haven't seen a lot of guys like Eric Gilbert. Uh, just as far as his overall athleticism, the size that he brings to the table. Uh, he's a guy that. You know, I would have some questions. If we're talking pure wide receiver, you know, he's going to be a, a, a measurement mismatch for, 
for regular defensive backs. I mean, they're going to have to put, you know, a linebacker on him and maybe a safety over the top as well. But again, as far as a route runner, as far as just getting that separation on every snap, it, it is a question mark for me. He, I mean, he's, he can play split out. He could, you know, that's, that's not a problem. Playing it full time and that being his primary position is, is something that, you know, I would, take some pause and and projecting him that way but that's what he wants to do that's the pitch that he wants from colleges and and so if i mean it, that's my main question if you're georgia uh, they haven't switched gears really in that in that recruitment of him as far as what they're really telling him you know if you ask him which schools tell him receiver you know he'll mention a school like tennessee and then he'll also say you know, now everyone's telling him he can play wherever he wants because they know that's what the pitch is. But I think, I think Gilbert knows which which schools are being you know being completely serious about it. And if you're Georgia, I mean, we already have guys that are committed at wide receiver. You got three guys on board already. The whole plan is to take two tight ends. So you got to make that call. You're Todd Hartley. You know, this is where it's really interesting. Um, Eric Gilbert's probably going to be in Athens for that Notre Dame game for its official visit, right, Rusty? That is the plan as of right now. You know, I, I ask him that. He goes, "Yeah, yeah, I think so." Um, but I do think he'll be at he'll be at Georgia unless he's committed somewhere else. And you never say never. I don't expect that. But I, I would be surprised if Eric Gilbert's not in Athens. And that's going to be a massive weekend. I mean, that one. I mean, when you. When you think about that, I mean, it's I, I don't know how the staff's going to handle it. I really don't. Like, I, I mean, they've they've got a building full of folks over there set to work, and and they're going to be outnumbered probably in a big way uh, for for that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, if you're Todd Hartley, how are you going to handle? I mean, you got your top three tight end targets. I mean, possibly the top three tight ends in the country, and, and Eric Gilbert. Theo Johnson out of Canada, and then you're bringing in Darnell Washington out of Las Vegas. You're going to have your guys. You're trying to get two of those guys. You're going to have potentially at this point when we record this podcast, all three of them in Athens, four official visits the same weekend. Uh, it's it's one of those scenarios where if you're Todd Hartley, you're feeling really good, but you're sweating heavily at the same time. Now, one thing I I, I do want to want to kind of discuss here is is this whole Eric Gilbert thing and 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 wrapping up on him. A lot of times, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, these guys know, and I'm sure Eric knows that that there's a possibility he's going to end up at tight end at the next level. But but what these guys are really looking for, and and I know that uh, you know sometimes fans hear, well, this so and so wants to play this position, so and so wants to play that position. He's a prima donna. He he can't do that. Whatever. All they're looking for is a legit shot. And when it comes down to evaluating uh, who, what school he wants to go to, it's probably going to play a big role in his decision. Who's going to give me a real chance to play wide receiver? Who's genuine? Who? It still always comes down to those relationships and the and the built trust. And and he's going to try to find out, hey, who's actually going to give you give him a real deal shot uh, to play the tight end position? And that's what's actually going to ultimately end up mattering. And I think people look, and, and Jake, we'll, we'll talk X and O here just for a second. Look at a guy like Evan Ingram out of Hillgrove High School who went into the first round as a tight end for the Giants. Evan Ingram ain't blocking a nine technique in the NFL. That guy's in the slot, and he's running routes, and he's creating mismatches. So 
There's different definitions of tight end at Georgia and Alabama specifically, and I would imagine with Tennessee now, you're going to put your hand down, you're going to block. Now, can you run routes and all that, be even positive game? Yes, you can, you can spread out. Because Eric Gilbert is a different dude. Now, there's not many like him like we're talking about. But there's also different definitions of tight end. You take Evan Ingram as a perfect example. I mean, that guy's not blocking anybody. He is going down the field, and he's using his athleticism in the slot and causing problems with NFL safeties to cover him. Absolutely. That that's and Eric Gilbert's not Evan Ingram because he already weighs thirty more pounds than Evan Ingram and and hell and of a Evan, big high school. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I love man. I remember seeing Evan Ingram at at McEachern High School in in one of the All Star games. Uh, post senior season and I fell in love with him. It was the first time I'd ever seen him in person. And I was thinking to myself, I mean, he grew up in my wife's neighborhood. I didn't even know who he was, but uh, my wife remembered, you know, she about six doors down, she remembered seeing him as a kid and, and, and knowing him a little bit, knowing McKenzie, his sister who played football, basketball at Georgia. But, uh, you know, he, he was, he's a different cat in terms of his ability to run routes and, and catch passes. And if, if Eric Gilbert has that skill set at 250 pounds, he, he might be a little bit of a unicorn. I mean, he, he might be his own, his yeah. own guy. He might, he might start his own category, uh, you know, going forward. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that works out because those relationships are what's going to prevail because whoever he trusts the most to give him the shot he, de- he desires is, is who's going to end up getting his signature. Let's move forward to, a, to another guy. Kip, Caleb Williams, the guy that we've talked about here on the on the podcast before, five-star quarterback, uh, has an announcement coming up, I think somewhere close to the end of the month, maybe right dead at the end of the month, and, and you have been able to kind of dig around and find out exactly what's going on there. Can you give us kind of the scoop there and, and what's going on? Yeah, Jake, uh, Caleb Williams put out a tweet uh, a couple days ago talking about how August 30th was going to be a special day, and, you know, when you get on social media, I always warn everyone to just kind of, you know, don't overreact to everything. Don't read too much into it. But again, this is a, a high profile prospect. The guy that we have is the number one dual threat quarterback in the in the 2021 class. So uh, uh, right now he's a five star in the 24-7 sports uh, composite. So, you know, you're going to have a lot of eyes on everything you put out there. So. You know, I checked with Caleb. You know, he's he's kept me updated. You know, I check with him with him <clears throat> every week to see what's going on. And, and he told me, you know, I said, "Hey, are you announcing something that day?" And he's like, "No announcement right now. Uh, as of right now, you know, he's saying that uh, it, it's you know it's his first football game. You know, G- Gonzaga. He plays at Gonzaga in Washington D.C. They play a." A monster schedule. I believe they open with American Heritage, but it's just one of the the toughest schedules in the country. So that is their first game, big game. But you just you never know because when you put a tweet out there like that out there, it could be anything. So I I mean I know he's I know that he's getting closer to that. I know he's got a better idea than he did going into the summer. He visited a lot of schools, uh, Georgia being one of them. You know I could tell you that. You know, he threw for the Georgia coaching staff at camp. And uh, from what I've been told, that's one of, if not the most impressive throwing session they've really had, uh, you know, this year and, 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 and maybe last as well. You know, it's a, he just blew the coaching staff away, you know, m- moved up to the top of the board, really, for that quarterback position for Georgia. 
in that 2021 class. And when you start looking at uh, the future of Georgia, you start talking about Dewan Mathis, you start talking about Carson Beck, but you know, that's, you, you can't count, count those, you know, those chickens before they've hatched. They, they have Jake Fromm on campus now. They, this might be Jake Fromm's last season at Georgia. We don't know yet, but you, when you start looking toward the future, uh, you got to start stacking that deck as, as best you can at the quarterback position because until you have that guy, you know, you don't have anybody. You don't have a guy. You have potential. And, and they got, you know, good one on campus right now with a lot of upside. A really great quarterback coming in and Carson Beck. But, you know, again, until you have that guy like Jake Fromm, you got to keep looking for, the, for that elite talent at that position. It's the most important position in football. And, I mean, Caleb's one of the best. I mean, he's a guy that, again, played powerhouse schedule last year. And as good as he is in camp, I think he's he's even better in football games. He's a guy that he, a lot of people look at him as that dual threat guy. You know, I, I think he's got the best arm talent, you know, possibly in the country. And and, and that's really where uh, his upside is, is with that arm. You know, he can make all the throws, very, uh, very tight release, uh, you know, whether it's just like a, a 10 you know, 15 yard out or, or, you know, you having to hit that deep ball, the ball looks great coming off the arm and, and he does, you know, go through his progressions well at, at this stage for being a quarterback. So a big time talent that Georgia has had on campus three, four times right at this point. He was there for G-Day, a guy that uh, I think from talking to Caleb, he, he's very high in the Bulldogs right now. You know, my crystal ball prediction is in for Georgia with Caleb Williams. I like where they stand right now. I know that uh, LSU is a school he really likes as well. Uh, Penn State's also been in the mix. But I think, you know, heading into the season, Georgia's in a good spot with Caleb Williams. And, you know, heading into that August 30th, his first game of the year, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, Georgia's got a chance to get a really special five-star quarterback on board for that 2021 class. There's, there's not a commitment yet for Georgia, as well as they're recruiting right now, as well as they're recruiting in each cycle. You know, they don't have that guy on board yet for that 2021 class. And I think, uh, Caleb, you know, that you can't do much better than, than getting a guy like that on board if he becomes maybe that first commitment for them in that class uh, would be a huge get for, for James Coley and the coaching staff and a guy that, uh, you know, we're super high on here at 24-7 Sports. Yeah, uh, shout out to Charles Power for for some of the things that uh, I can't remember if he posted or if there were tweets that somebody else posted, but he he showed a couple of throws from him off platform throws, as yeah. Charles put, Charles put it, that were otherworldly. I mean, the ability to turn his shoulders and and fire on the run and 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 not just hit an open receiver, but hit an open receiver accurately where that guy could do something with it. I mean, uh, Charles does a tremendous job for us, huge asset to 247 Sports. And, and uh, you know, he, he's a, he looks at as much film as, as anybody out there on the national level. And, and, you know, Caleb Williams, not only do you get a real talented player and all of that five-star buzz, but you get the quarterback who's traditionally the leader who, who reaches out, who recruits other guys, who gets other guys interested, that other guys take, it, take visits with. You know, they, 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 these guys join up, and I've always been a guy to kind of downplay how much a, one guy can recruit another and get them there because ultimately, like I said, it comes down to those relationships. But sometimes that guy can help you get some some kids on campus. You know, when it's when it's 50-50 Georgia or Auburn, 50-50 Georgia or LSU for a visit this weekend, 
sometimes that that guy can can swing swing it and and, and let the coaching staff do their job it becomes a little bit of a team effort and and what a massive get that would be for Georgia uh, to to start off the 2020 class yeah I mean uh, right now I think you look at where Caleb is it's really tough to read he's not going to give a lot out there but he's also honest with me you know I Every time I talk to him, he's like, everything's kind of still the same and still trying to figure things out. You know, if, if I'm trying to predict what's going to happen now, I think he's still going to try to squeeze in some visits during the season and potentially make this decision maybe shortly after his junior season. But it's really interesting because when you look at this 2021 class, there are a lot of quarterbacks already committed to programs. I mean, when you, when you look at guys like, Brock Vandegrift uh, being co- committed to Oklahoma. You look at Carlos Del Rio at McEachern. He's, he's committed to Florida. Uh, but this nationally, in this cycle, a lot of these quarterbacks are off the board before they even start their junior season. And, you know, typically we see most of the – in the past we've seen these guys usually make that decision the spring after their junior season, before they head in their senior season. And we talked about quarterbacks being kind of the first guys to go off the board for their class. But now we're talking about these guys being committed before their junior season even starts. It just shows, you know, that the the process is being accelerated so much that college staffs and support staffs, they're having to make major evaluations at a position that is really tough to evaluate. You know, I've always tried to at least wait until that junior season is over for a quarterback to start trying to pick these guys apart and, and see what you can see from these guys. Colleges are having to get these guys to throw in summer camp and make decisions off those summer camps. I know that's a very hot topic on the junkyard uh, in, in general in recruiting is talking about quarterbacks, seven and seven. What kind of value can you get from – summer throwing sessions, it looks like a lot of these colleges are getting enough value to accept commitments from quarterback prospects. And it's really intriguing to me to see these major evals taking place at that position at such an early stage in the process. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to follow that uh, for sure. And as I always say at the end of every show, I think it kind of is a little bit of a bat signal that everything's going to get wrapped up. But uh, we'll have it covered for you at Dogs247. I don't think anybody does it any better. Some may, some may do it just as well, but but I feel like we'd get, we'd get it done as, as well as anybody. We'll have that covered. We'll have the preseason, uh, the first preseason scrimmage covered all next week of practice. Kickoff is, I think, officially, what, 22 days away at this point. So, you know, we're down into the Richard Samuel, Nate McBride territory of, of, of kickoff, Olandis Gary, all those great number 22s that were for Georgia. Uh, and, and like I said, we'll have it covered, and, and we're excited. We're excited for, for Nashville and, and going to get a chance to, to talk to some dog fans out there, um, ho- hopefully have a little bit more word on, on what's going to happen as far as our get-together out there. But for today's episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs247. Kip and Rusty killed it as always, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.